0: Welcome to Blue Collar Love. Once again, my name is Samuel.
1: My name is Aaron. And
0: I'm Wayne. <laughs> and um, we are super stoked and excited. We have the the one, the only Wayne Everett returning to hang out and chat with us. Thanks and, for having uh, me on. Yeah, we are super excited, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us again.
2: Yeah, I'm so, excited. It's a pleasure. Sure.
0: So, Aaron, what are we doing today um, that we uh, get to have extra guests?
2: Um, we're going to be recording the Masterpiece album called Everybody Makes Mistakes. And the drummer on that album was Wayne Everett. And thought it'd be fitting, since he was an integral part of that album, to join us to talk about this album.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and start with Memories. Um, I'll go first, because mine's the shortest. Hey, I'm still new to most of Starflyers' back catalog. Um, This was my first time doing an in-depth analysis of this album in any capacity. I've listened to it before, but this is my first time really analyzing it. Um, Aaron, what's your history with this album?
2: Um, I got this album as soon as it came out. Um, 1999, right? Yeah. And I was stationed in Oklahoma still. Um, I got it. And I was just amazed. It was such a departure. I mean, Fashion Focus was a departure, but this was even more so. And uh, over time, this, these songs have changed and grown with me. But yeah, this is this and another album we'll review later. Go Back and Forth is my favorite Starfire album. I mean, it, yeah, I've been listening to it since 1999. So I have a lot of memories, which I will share as we go through this.
0: That's awesome. Wayne, um, what can you tell us about your memories with this?
1: Wow. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. Um, it's a long time ago, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I remember, um, you know, this is kind of like the second record, uh, with, uh, the new sort of direction sonically that Jason wanted to do. And, um, so the first one, uh, Fashion Focus, was you know, certainly a lot more sort of pop, a little bit more, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, less shoegazy and noisy as, as the previous records had been. Um, and then, uh, so for Fashion Focus, it was a lot more kind of, you know, more traditional kind of songwriting, but, you know, kind of done in Jason's style, of course, you know, hugely influenced by by New Wave and, you know, especially bands like The Smiths and The Cure and stuff. Um, and uh, I think with Everybody Makes Mistakes, I think he wanted to just keep expanding that. And and this one was even more um, involving keyboards and stuff like that. And, um, and Gene Eugene, the producer, um, he uh, got really involved as well, because this was the second one album done with him. And he um, really took a hold of some of these songs, and and really felt inspired to um, to add some more, um, you know, some piano and synths, and and kind of do some interesting um, uh, work with the sonic palette. So um, so he and Jason, um, you know, were were uh, really into that direction, and so you know, I think that was how. Uh, it was how it kind of turned out much more kind of keyboard-heavy than uh, than Fashion Focus was, or any of their Starfly records a been up to that point.
0: That is cool. I didn't think of a Gene Eugene having... I mean, I knew he had an influence on it, but would you say most of the kind of um, new wavy synths that we'll get into, was that a lot of just his ideas of him going, hey, I want to add this stuff?
1: Some of it was, but, uh, you know... Um, uh jason you know was no stranger to synthesizers and stuff you know his older brother ronnie was you know really into it so jason knew all about that stuff and had a real strong sensibility for it but it seemed to me at the time that that um just the songs that jason had written for for this album were kind of lent themselves more to um to adding more um, piano and um, and uh, some synthesizer pads and and things like that, and like a song like um, uh, a song like um, play the C chord, you know, or uh, I'm sorry, no new, new kind of story, which we'll get to, you know, has a, a really strongly featured synth, and that was that was by design. I think that was
2: something that Jason had written to the song. So you're saying that when, coming into recording, Jason was just like I want to do something different.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I think before we did, um, um, before we did fashion focus, you know, I think he had a pretty strong, um, direction in mind. Um, I think by the time that we did, um, uh, we did the, um, uh, like Le Vanquer and, um, the gold album and, um, and then we had done, um, uh, Americana. Um, and, uh, after that, I think Jason was kind of, I think he was just seemed to me like he was just kind of tired of, of plugging in distortion pedals all the time. <laughs> I think, he, I think he wanted to kind of broaden his horizons a little bit. And, and it was the smart thing to do because he's a great songwriter and, and a lot of times some great songs, um, you know, they get kind of a wash in distortion or noise and that's cool and all, but I think after a while it gets kind of, you know, it's time to do something else.
0: For sure, that's yeah. awesome. All right, um, so Aaron, if you don't have any other further comments, let's go ahead and just get started. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, so Wayne, I'll let you lead us off because you specifically mentioned it. Track number one, play the C chord. Uh, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on this? Memories? Anything you have?
1: Uh, let's see. Play the C chord was. Um, um, let's see, it's got that. Uh, it's got that beginning. That's like a super kind of a. Uh, um, You know, one of the things uh, that I like about um, about Jason's songwriting is that he's you know, he's a drummer also. And so he he thinks very rhythmically about about stuff. And so. um, Yeah. So um, so he'll he'll come up with like different little um, little riffs that have a rhythmic um, motif. And so it becomes kind of like a, a motif in the song and um and you know it's just fun to play those types of things because it's just sort of um uh it's um i don't know it kind of ties the song together and i think on on uh, play the c chord it does that kind of
0: thing that is rad yeah the first thing i noticed about it is it have like kind of this uh i called it a cowboy group. that's what it sounded like to me like um almost honky tonk Mm -hmm. and i love that almost country vibe to it just that twangy um but still synthy sound it's like if cowboys did new wave is what it reminds me of
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's kind of um it's it's certainly that inspiration of um of that surf guitar um or um kind of sliding kind of thing um you know there's some slide guitar on on play the C chord you know very deliberately because he wanted to evoke some of that kind of tone um and uh yeah it, i think it just has like it's something that that jason's always liked i, I think he's always um he's always liked um you know uh the, like you know um uh, uh, uh and, and 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 people like that you know who, Um, uh, with his um, Spaghetti Western themes and stuff like that. Um, So uh, that kind of vibe, I think he's always liked to bring into. And you saw some of that earlier in some of the earlier records as well, some of that kind of twangy, um, echoey guitar, surf guitar kind of sound. And I think this is just kind of like a continuation of that, almost like kind of telling. Uh, I imagine it was it was like something. It was like him saying something like, you know, "Hey everybody, we're still Starflyer." You know, here's this 2080 guitar kind of a thing. So, you know, don't don't be scared. It's going to be okay.
0: You know, it's funny you say the song may have been like a, a "Hey Everyone" song because I, when I was kind of analyzing the lyrics, my thoughts of it were. Um, how some fans and critics and even like producers which um i think you guys were very fortunate in the producer you got but um a lot of times are like just keep playing the same thing over again you know just play that c chord just play what people like
2: mm-hmm. and it seems to be
0: a song about no we're going to try new things get over yourself yeah and um mm-hmm. i really like that message a lot personally
1: yeah yeah definitely
2: yeah i agree with all that like um um, it's a great intro. Um, per usual. Jason knows how to start albums off. Um, I like the like the little ghost vocals at uh, the twenty-one second um mark where he starts singing. It's like the vocals are like kind of like eh, like they're fragile, like glacial or whatever. And then at the 39 second mark when the drums and everything kicks in, it's like, oh my God. And um yeah, um, there's just so much going on in here musically. Yeah, it's like a country twangy. And I didn't get this sounding like anything like Starfire before. And I remember when I first heard this song, I was like, "Another departure from what's going on." Like it didn't remind me of anything Starfire did, which I appreciate. I like, I love when artists try new things. Um, At minute one forty, there's something that sounds like a moog or like something humming underneath the guitars, and it goes throughout the song. You know what I'm talking about, Wayne? You know what that was? Uh huh uh let's
1: see yeah it could have been a moog um i'm not sure off the top of my head what what it is i'd have to listen to it again but um uh but i I wouldn't be surprised if it was some sort of synth um like a moog or um i can't remember what else uh, gene had there at the studio at the time um but you know he had a bag of tricks that uh, he could draw from so yeah i'm sure it was that was deliberate
2: yeah, and the drums in this are great. I mean, um, like 314 before the outro, that starts the outro. I love it. Um, the hi-hats at 328 and on, great touch. Um, every time I hear this song, too, it's like I hear like new sounds like constantly. It's crazy. Um, I'd love to see everything y'all put in that. Um, it's a great song. It's a great sister, strong opener, four and a half stars. It's like my fourth favorite song on this album
1: oh nice four and a half stars good (laughs) that's awesome the drum drum sounds um on this one on this album and also on uh fashion focus you know there was a real it was very deliberate to um to try to get a really big sound out of them but by doing in order to do that i had to play the lightest i could possibly bear to play um because we we close mic'd all, all of the drums, we, we tracked the drums in, um, so in the, in the green room there was a, a performance room and then there was a control room and then there was kind of like a back lounge kind of area and um, you know, not, nowhere in the studio were there any windows or anything and so that back lounge area was super dark and it had like a little table and a couch and you know, all this, this soundproofing all around the, the room and so, if you walked in there, it was so dead in there, and you know, occasionally, you know, you have to sleep sleep the night there. And so it was so quiet in there, and especially at night, we, we used to call it the dungeon. And so, and so, what we decided to do was um, was to try to record the drums actually in the dungeon because it was so dark and so quiet in there. Um, and so, uh, so basically, um, Gene, um, you know, close mic'd all of the of the drums. I think Frank Lenz was, was around, too, because I think he helped, he helped me to, to get the right mute, muting on the, on the toms and stuff, um, you know, putting some tape on it or even some, uh, some uh, we might have taped some, some towels to it or something, I can't remember, but, um, uh, but the, the hardest part was just I had to play as quietly as I possibly could, which for me, I'm not a very disciplined drummer at all, And so for me, that was a real challenge to do, but it worked. It really was for the best because the uh, the drum sounds I think are are really good, and um, uh, and uh, you know, Gene, uh, Gene and Frank were able to really
2: you know dial those things in. Awesome. I guess we'll go into the next song now. Um, Who wants to take it first?
0: Um, I'll run with this, I suppose. Um, No new kind of story. So I find it interesting that this song. is maybe uh one of Starfire's more iconic. Um definitely of this air because when I YouTube Starfire Nine, this is usually the first music video that pops up. This is also what Tooth and Nail decided to name their documentary about themselves. Hmm. No new kind of story. Um
2: great documentary so it, by the way.
0: It is a really nice documentary. Um so it, has these, it starts with these lovely strings, which takes me back. And I noticed this a few times throughout the album, kind of like this 50s. Um, what it brings me back is the Ringo Starr song, Good Night, off the White Album by the Beatles. Is those kind of 50s ballad strings. And then it launches from that into this new wave sound and all new wave instruments. And I love that new wave sound. It links it to the last song and kind of carries forward that energy um, of the rest of the album. Now, the music video, I don't know, Wayne, if you were there for that at all, but it completely baffles me. Um, I watched it today. and
1: I didn't know there was a music video for it. (laughs) There
0: is. And um, it completely baffles me. The closest I can gather for anyone who's seen it is – um a guy dies and angels take him to heaven which if that's the point of the music video i also take that as the point of the lyrics um is we're all born we all die it's nothing new there's nothing new under the sun life doth go on for all but it's just a beautiful song um and the only part that i find odd which a lot of people probably love it is right about in the middle you hear this weird little sound, synth balance and it's like dun 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 and then it goes back to the new wave very smooth sound for the rest of the song and it always throws me off a little bit but other than that it's a great song
2: i'll go next and like wayne round it out um i'm off the bat this is my favorite song on the album it's my second favorite starfire song of all time i mean it's I'll try to express how I feel about it. (laughs) Um, I love the opening strings strings in a sense and what else is going on. Um, Again, the drums drop in at the 17 second mark. I mean, with the guitars and everything, it's just, I I just become in a trance. And like, I remember the first like dozen times um, I've heard this song. I I, I listened to it. And then after that, whenever the song comes on, like, I hear what's going on and I know the lyrics. But I'm like in another headspace. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like it's weird the song like kidnaps me. It's like like the like the melody or the rhythm or something in it. It just puts me in such a happy not even happy, it's just like a Zen space. I guess more like a Zen headspace. And um it's crazy. I don't know what it is, but I mean it's just it's just perfection. Um I'm sure, you know, the lyrics, you know, things aren't that bad. We had a hell of a dad. I mean, I'm sure that's talking about God. I can't believe Jason got no pushback from the Christian market by using hell in a sentence. And I mean, a song. Um, the thick guitar sounds in this um, are beautiful. Um, and the hi-hats in this song, too, um, make this song into, turns this song into like a danceable, like Go-Go's track. Um, It's crazy. Um, m- the middle part from that starts at like 104, I believe it is. That I think you're referencing that, Sam. That little breakdown, the, the dun, 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 dun part. Um, mm-hmm. I just love that part. Um, 138 to 155, I believe it is actually. Um, it's just so good, man. That's just like great music right there. Um, the outro with all the different strings and the drums. I mean, this is pop perfection, five stars. I mean, there's the song's flawless. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess all I gotta say about it is perfect.
1: I think this might have been the first, it might have been the first song that we tracked. I can't remember. Um, but it, it might have been because I think, if I remember correctly, you know, when we rehearsed this song in rehearsal to learn it and stuff, um, uh, you know, it was pretty clear from the start that it was a, a, a good, catchy number. Um, and one of the things that uh, that I really wanted this song to do was um, it had such potential for for danceability, and I love disco music, and so I was going to put a disco beat on this thing, come hell or high water. So,
2: so <laughs> and you did, and, you and did. I
1: did, and, and you know Jason was super into it. You know he was he was he thought it was it was a it was a good move, um, and. Uh, and again, like I said earlier, it was just it was just that that really light touch allowed the close. It allowed the the, the compression on the whole kit to kind of like let those hi hat moments happen. Because otherwise, if you if um, if I was hitting too hard, then you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't have uh, the dynamic to be able to bring to have those um to have the uh, the compressions.
2: Lane, you dropped out there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It
1: would get, it would get drowned out by all the other drums if we if we didn't um, if we didn't uh, uh, have the, the compression at a certain kind of setting.
2: Wow. So, wow. What, one little decision just <laughs> changed the whole thing. Wow. That's that's a that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I love um, the restraint of this album. It feels like a exercise in um, ec- economic. Music, and what I mean by that is like, yeah, there's lots happening, but it feels very tight and compact, and um so that kind of leads into the next song, I think um Aaron, why don't you kick us off with your uh thoughts on twenty dollar bills
2: I would love that I would love to have more twenty dollar bills in my life. um, what a weird <laughs> song first it's a very weird song, um but it's a it's a great segue between um no new new kind of story in the next song, no more shows. I love the fuzzy feedback that comes in around like one Oh four. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I really love it. Um, the strings and percussion, I think, um, and the bells, I think I hear bells and a gong maybe. Um, it's it's beautiful. Um, it reminds me of a lot of songs on the automatic for the people and, um, monster albums by, um, 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 REM where they use a lot of feedback. Um, Such a strange song. I can't think of another Starfire song that sounds like this. Um, I love it. Um, It's my least favorite song, unfortunately. Which on this album, on any other album, would be probably in the top three. It's my ninth favorite song, three stars. But I mean, it. I like it. It's
0: weird. I like the weird stuff. (laughs) Fair enough. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about that weirdness, Wayne?
1: Well. I know that Gene really liked this song, and um, really felt like it would be good to have it be, um, you know, very piano-based, and um, uh, and so I think he just kind of went with it there, and just let the song sort of be this very simple, um, this simple track, and then at, and then have a little bit of tension there at the end,
2: um, and uh, and I think it worked, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like- like you mentioned earlier, Samuel, like it, it's a very strange song, but even though there's a lot going on, though, at the same time. Was there a gong in it, Wayne? Do you know? You remember? Oh, boy. I don't
1: know. Uh, there might have been. If there was, let's see, if there was a gong, whose gong would it have been? It could have been, it Frank. could be, uh, uh, it might have been Frank's, but it also could have been, I don't know if Frank had gongs back in those days. Um, but I know that Burley Drummond would, um, and Burley was a friend of, uh, Gene's and, um, worked with him some, Burley Drummond is the, he's, he was the drummer in Ambrosia, that band from the, uh, kind of had its peak in, in the seventies. Um, and, uh, they were kind of like, a, um, kind of like, kinda like a prog rock group. Um, but, um, anyway, he's an amazing drummer and has worked with Gene and it, and it might've been his gong. <laughs>
0: okay that is cool i have a running theory and maybe you can confirm or have no idea that either jason or um, gene were very inspired by danny elfman in particular um the uh batman 89 soundtrack because i hear that and the Nightmare before christmas soundtrack i hear a lot of those um just different things that remind me of that through these past few albums that we talked about. And this song in particular reminds me of, like, if you took a 50s ballad, something really simple, and ran it through a distortion amp. Hmm. And um, that's kind of one of Elfman's signature, where he would take something like, um, if you listen to the Batman 89 theme, it's just kind of the Superman theme, ran through a distortion <laughs> And then kind of blend it up a little bit. Um, so that's what this song reminds me of, and I love it. Um, it's it's sadly not like one of my favorite songs out of the album, but I love the the, the weirdness of it, kind of s- that off key, distorted but still beautiful sound. And um, I can always go for a, a song about how money just will bring you happiness because <laughs> it's something I I really believe.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, All right. I
1: mean, I- I can't say you know i can't speak for jason of course and and know what he was thinking um uh gene you know i, I obviously i don't know and unfortunately we can't ask him but um uh i, I do I, if there if there was that kind of influence here's a, another wild theory um at right around the same time as this record um um uh, Terry Taylor. Do you guys know Terry Taylor?
2: Oh, yeah. I love Terry Taylor. Oh, yeah.
0: Daniel Amos.
2: Yeah.
1: He was, he was doing a record. Uh, he might have even had started it at the at the Green Room by this time. Um, but he did a, a record called um, the uh, it was a it was a soundtrack for a video game. Um, it's called like Imaginarium.
2: Yeah, I have that album. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Um. So uh, I played some on that record, uh, and I've never heard it actually. <laughs> so <Really? laughs> I- that it existed, that, it, that he finished it and that, it, and that it all existed. So I'm going to have to go and, and listen to that, but, uh, to see if any of my stuff wound up in the final product. But anyway, um, but, but, uh, you know, th- a lot of that music has, uh, very much, uh, you know, Terry's kind of, um, uh, uh, his, you know, uh, his fingerprints all over it, you know what I mean? Of course, because he created it um, and he has a very, um, maybe a very Elfman kind of streak to him where he likes things that are a little bit, you know, kind of uh, almost like wacky or unexpected and, and sounds that are coming out of, you know, uh, really like uh, uh, oddball places. And um, it, it's possible, this is my theory, it's possible that maybe gene had been started working with him and was kind of in that mindset um because um because terry was recording it at the green room there with gene
0: okay now that you say that and knowing i've listened to uh daniel amos for several years now and now that you say that i totally hear it and now i'm just gonna be listening for like terry's stuff and the influence here
1: and Um, and and also, it could just be straight. You know, Jason Martin hugely influenced by Terry Taylor's music as well when he was growing up, for sure. So, you know, that that could be the, the most direct connection possibly. Yeah, yes. I, remember okay. he, I, remember I remember
2: Jason even interviewed. I remember Jason interviewed Daniel um, Terry Taylor on the um, um, what was that box set one? Something about hats. Something about where, oh God, it's a Daniel Masson album. I can't think of it now. But yeah, Jason interviewed him. It's pretty interesting interview, actually.
1: Really? Oh, everybody cool. wore hats.
2: When everybody wore hats. Box set. That's what it was.
0: <laughs> All right. It, mm-hmm. That is
2: cool. So I'll take the oh. next song, um, No More Shows, if that's cool.
0: Yeah. Um, go for it.
2: All right. I love how this song starts off. The rocking intro just gets straight to it. Um, not much stated about the song, except it's a banger, man. And I would love to see the guys from Mortal do a remix of this. I think they would do awesome with it. I give the song four stars. And I cede the rest of my time to Wayne to tell us a story on their tour that made Jason write this song. Go ahead, Wayne. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, it's you know hard for me to 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 speculate on what uh, what inspired Jason to write any of these songs. But uh, you know, I can tell you that uh, you know touring touring was uh, was uh, you know for for the time that we were on the road and we were on the road for a long time, I think it, it kind of warmed down a bit or at least that's what it seemed like to me. Um, so, uh, you know, I know that it wasn't like his favorite thing to do. Um, and uh, and uh, the, I think the more that we did it, the more he kind of didn't really enjoy it as much. But, uh, but the times that we did go out, you know, um, we had a wonderful time and he was never like, he was never, um, you know, he was never bummed about having another show. He was never like, Oh man, I really wish I was going home and all that stuff. Um, uh, but you know, when we were at home, he would, you know, kind of lament like, yeah, I got to go back on the road kind of a thing. But, um, but, um, yeah, so maybe, maybe that was the inspiration. I don't know, but this (laughs) song for sure from what, what I hear from this song is, is his, um, Uh, is his love for the smiths this feels like a very smithsy type of song to me
0: okay that is cool um i wrote two things right at the bat on this song first um dim drums doe like this is probably (laughs) my favorite song on the album honestly really uh, yeah i just ironically enough I want to see this song played live. I don't know if you guys ever played it live when you were touring or not, but this seems like it'd be a banger live.
2: Um, I want to hear all the songs played live.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we did. I don't
1: think we played this one live because it had most of the time we were playing as a three piece. And so basically unless Jason could cover the requisite kind of parts, then it didn't really make the cut in terms of the set. Um, and I'm trying to remember the songs off of this record that we played. We played, we would do No New Kind of Story. we do play the C chord. We'd do Just Try. Um, and we do, how else would we do? Going Places? Uh, maybe. Oh, dethrone King, maybe? Mm. No. I think dethrone King, possibly. But, uh, but certainly those other ones I just mentioned were in the set for a certain amount of time
0: cool yeah i am um, I, I just love this song i uh like it does seem to be about you know how disliking touring and um it also to me i didn't hear smith so much as a beach song which um I, I noticed that as a trend um it was funny when we went and reviewed silver again here recently and i was like man there's more beach songs on this than i remembered mm-hmm. and um I love a good beach song, and this is one of those. So yeah, the song rocks so much.
2: I meant, to, I meant to mention at the top of this review too, like when I go to the beach, because i live in Virginia Beach, I, I listen to this album a, a lot, driving to the beach. Like all these songs are, could be like beach songs. So yeah. So, I,
1: love, I love to hear that, you guys, because it's like, you know, for me, that song is, is a very manchester kind of song, like Manchester, England kind of song. But, you know, as you guys just said, it can be totally different things for different people. And that's what's so rad about music. You know, you listen yeah. to it in a certain context, like, hey, I'm going to the beach. And you turn on this record and it, like, fully totally makes sense to you. And so you, you have that association.
0: So that's awesome.
2: And especially the next song we're about to talk about.
0: So, Wayne, why don't you lead us off on this one, um, Just Try.
1: Well, this is one of my favorites off of this record. I remember, um, uh, you know, when we rehearsed it, and um, and this was another one that I just thought, oh, this is just such a beautiful hooky song. You know, this chorus is just gold. And um, so, I thought about. Um, usually, what would happen is is uh, is Jason would would kind of leave all of the the background vocal parts uh, to me, to arrange and to, and to, and to sing. And so, um, so with this one, I just, I just thought like this real, a really nice harmony could be, uh, really just tender and beautiful on it, you know, cause such a, it's such a, a tender and beautiful song, you know? Um, and, uh, again, it was another one that's like, um, uh, you know, something that, that, you know, Gene really, um, he, he really dug it and really wanted to try to, you know, give it a, a, a good treatment.
0: That is hey, right. Mark. Yeah. Um, was you, uh, going for the, uh, kind of, I'm sure you were, but the kind of beach boys background vocals there.
1: Well, I've, I've always been influenced by the beach boys and, and especially like when I kind of really, um, you know, I guess became obsessed with them in the early nineties, I guess. And, um, just loved you know bands that were influenced by them so much that I kind of went back and rediscovered some of the stuff that I hadn't heard, and I don't know it just became a part of um, a part of the vibe um, uh, for uh, for Starflyer at that time. You know it became kind of like a thing. You know when we would tour, we would have the drums in the middle of the um, in the middle <laughs> in the front of the stage, like where the lead singer normally would be, and then Jason would would stand on the left, and <clears throat> the bass player, Cloud or Eric or whoever would would play on the right. And so I was responsible for being part of the show, and then also responsible for doing the background vocals, <laughs> and and talking in between songs, which Jason wasn't really fond of doing. So I would just speak in French, and, and that kind of angered a lot of
2: people. I bet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, uh, drum, but, as, vocal but as far
1: as this as the as the this record is concerned this was another one where you know i looked for places to put some of those kind of beach Boysy things because it just kind of fit really nicely in a song like this it's kind of tender
0: yeah um it's it's funny you call it a tender song because i'm a i'm a big lyric guy which is odd when you run a starfire 59 podcast but <laughs> um i uh my first thought when I was reading this was like, it's kind of like a a sad, almost emo-ish song about relationships. And um, I kind of took it, I I probably way overthought the song, but here's my analysis anyways. So the song's about not wanting to be alone and making your relationship work because you don't want to be alone. Now from a husband to a wife, this is a super sweet sentiment. However, as a long-term relationship um the the thesis of i just i don't want to leave you because i don't want to be alone has been used as an excuse for so many toxic relationships i've seen in life and hopefully that's just a a beginning like an apology if you will and then you move on beyond just the i don't want to be alone to you know i want to make your life better um but as a start as an apology and as you know, just a husband to wife, maybe. Um, I, you're right. It's super tender. It's super sweet, and um, it's definitely something to um, think about your relationships with. And uh, I really love the music too.
2: Interesting that you mentioned the Beach Boys. I'm um, um, reference because um, the Prayer chain Lassie Foundation, your solo stuff, stuff you um, um, Starflyer. I definitely notice um, Beach Boy's influence, especially on in the song we'll talk about later. But um, when, I for, when I think of this song, I think of Jazz Lounge Flyer 59. It's kind of <laughs> jazzy, like, because the form of the song is kind of weird, you know? Um, it's chilled out, it's an underrated gem. Like, people don't talk about this song enough. I mean, um, it's another song about loneliness, which Jason, I, that's how I took it. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Wayne, about um, being a tender song. I took it as being a loneliness song, but even so, like when I'm driving to the beach, like the just the sound, like the sound of this song just makes me—it's just so chill. The music that it makes me like get ready for, because the sound of the waves when you go to the beach is just so relaxing and chilling, and like the music in this song kind of like it doesn't mimic it, but it gives me the same feeling of that. Um, I don't know why. Um, and, and again, this doesn't sound like any other Starfire song to me either, which is great. The drums move this song along nicely. It's not too fast, not too slow. It's just what this song needs so it can, you know, breathe and fill itself out. Um, It's my eighth favorite song, um, Three and a Half Stars, which again, on any other album, this would be in the top three, but this this album is just too much. (laughs) I really love this song. I can listen to it on repeat, even though it's my eighth favorite song on this album. (laughs)
1: yeah the drums on this are are mainly the um the uh the rhythm ace um drum machine old old timey drum machine
2: ah okay
0: that is rad i I love old school drum machines and stuff um so let's go into um not quite drum machines out I think but definitely some uh effects pedals and stuff my name so I think this song kind of takes the um, possibility of calling this Jason's country album <laughs> um, has that nice slide guitar, like the first track. And it sounds like it's ran through an effects pedal and kind of give them, like a like retro future sound. Mm-hmm. I love it. And the country part comes not only from the slide guitar, but the subject matter. Um, I hate to like, speculate about real people relationships but this totally sounds like that song you hear on a lot of country albums maybe like uh, johnny cash and stuff i'm frustrated with my spouse song is what i call them and um, tied into the themes of relationships on the rest of this album it definitely kind of gives me that country uh, johnny cash vibe and um, i just i like that i like that a lot and so that's my take on my name. Um, uh,
2: I love this Aaron. song. Yeah, I love this song too. I call this alt alternative country flyer. Um, I, I was thinking this was gonna be your favorite song, so I'm kind of shocked that um, no, New- no, no more shows was your favorite. So you sh- you shocked me there. Um, let's see, and I agree with you. Outside, well, I disagree with you actually. Um, I think that outside of the Bonaventure songs, this is Jason's best love song. This Blows Fell so in Love at 22 Out the Water. Um, the, the line, um, uh, um, because you took on my name, you know, like, I love it when you're hanging around because you, t- you took on my name. I don't see him being annoyed with the wife. It's like he's happy that she's around because she took on his name. She got married. She became his wife, you know. And, um, yeah, it's the celebration of love, you know. Um, and, you know, that line talking about the, when they're driving the car, the songs that he makes. It's like, it's just like he he has his friend. He's he's happy just chilling with her. And like, that's what marriage is about. Just having fun with your friends. There's other stuff, but that's like the the foundation. Um, And I really really love it. Um, The twangy, yeah, the twangy guitars, like you mentioned, this could definitely be a country song. I I totally hear what you're saying about that. Um, And then also another line in there, you you know when to come and know when to leave, leave. Like in marriage, man. That's true. Sometimes you got to know when to walk away from an argument or whatever. Sometimes you gotta know when to, you know, engage. Um, Five Stars is my second favorite song on this album. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful song. I mean, just everything, the drums, the string, everything. I just say, yeah, it's a flawless
0: song. <laughs> uh, Wayne, what are your thoughts, sir? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's kind of another example, like you guys mentioned, you know the, the the country influence, um and I think my my guess is that well, one thing that that I know for sure is that is that Jason is kind of fearless uh in some ways about like about recording and about um new sounds and whenever myself or gene or. Cloud or anyone who was around, you know, had an idea. He would he would listen to it and he would listen to it, you know, with with some um, some some credence and really give it some thought. Um, so uh, so it, this to me feels like w- another example of like him really wanting to embrace something that maybe he hadn't in the past and really wanted to just explore and and see if uh, if you know putting a little country twang on something um would help the song and i think in this case it really did
0: that is awesome
2: it absolutely well, did
0: <laughs> why don't wayne why don't you guys lead us off on this next song this song um we almost called our podcast this this was almost the we name did. of our podcast um yeah so i'm D-thrown glad i'm <laughs> i'm glad we want a blue collar Eleven instead but wayne what can you tell us about dethrone king probably the closest throwback we have to the shoegazer era
1: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean I I think it's it's uh it was kind of like um uh you know, I, I don't know if, if Jason purposefully wanted to put this on the record to kind of, you know, let people know that he can still do this style <laughs> or um or if it was just a kind of a natural flow, which I'm 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 guessing it's probably more of the latter, but um but yeah, you know, it's like it's kind of like uh what maybe at that point was kind of classic Starflyer um kind of vibe and um you know a big majestic title literally.
2: <laughs> well I'll I'll go um next. Um if um my name was a celebration of marital love. This is a song a celebration of marital strife. And I say celebration because the lyrics, you know, this is what it happens when you lose your ring. You're good for nothing. This is good wrong king. I hope that didn't happen for real. <laughs> but um it reminds me of the choir song "Yellow Skies." I don't know if y'all, you guys, are familiar with that. But there's a lyric in there. um It's about marital fighting, and there's a line that goes, "Saucers in the kitchen, flying like UFOs." It's a mystical experience. Mama never taught me so, told me so. I just like such a great line. Steve head along. Your boy, <laughs> I'm running. Uh, he can write it some lyrics. But this song reminds me of that um this is like you mentioned the heaviest of all the songs on this album um you know um this is the one song this album that's close to something he had previously done um before this album i love the messy guitars and imperfections in the mix um i think it adds to the foot like a little punk element because the rest of this album is so i don't want to say it's like pretty and um constraints and like well orchestrated and planned like you talk about how you you, you muted the percussion and stuff like that and this song just like we're gonna let our freak fly fly and just let it all hang out and just go for it um you know, like it's like a lights change up for this album um i'm glad it is where it is um yeah um i like it four stars it's my seventh favorite album one seven favorite song on this album um but yeah i dig it a lot
0: yeah it um it's it's one of the songs i definitely am adding to my um my blue collar podcast um playlist i have an app music and um it gives me americana vibes a lot which i loved americana Uh, i also once again get those danny elfman vibes and now that you mentioned terry scott i am now hearing that um particularly during the um what was that quadrilogy daniel amos did back in the Alarma
2: the Alarma
0: chronicles it, well, it kind of gives me those vibes um, from the verses and i honestly just took the lyrics at face value i didn't even think about like the marriage aspect of just a, a king who fell from grace and power um i just thought that was a cool idea to run with um I, I honestly want this song to be the title track for a netflix original I don't care what Netflix original. I just I want this to be the title track, and um, I think it'd be awesome.
2: All these years yeah. of listening to this song, I never even thought of it being a, a literal king. That never crossed my mind. I, <laughs> I went straight to marriage. <laughs>
1: wow. That's what's so fun about writing songs. You know, you 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 think you have it as one meaning, and then people will take it a totally different way, and that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. People are yeah. going to them however they wish, and that's a, a really beautiful thing about music, I think.
0: Cool. Yeah. Aaron, well, start us off on Going Places.
2: All right, Going Places. I'm going to start this off with my third favorite song. This is a, like four and three-four stars. It's almost a five star, like as close as you can get to it. Um, Wayne, there's a rattlesnake sound at the beginning of the song um, that happens towards the end. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what that is? Let's see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What is that?
1: That is a um, a vibra a vibra slap.
2: Okay, cool. Okay, Vib- I was driving.
1: Slap is, is something that you let's see uh, that you have heard a million times in like um, uh, uh, like cartoons, and usually when somebody you know uh, you know opens a door and, into someone's face and go, you know it's kind of like one of these like sound effects types of things that. Um, uh, and you also heard in Spaghetti Western's the Ennio Morricone uh, soundtrack. Yeah, so, okay,
2: that's what it I was like, okay, that's okay, that's what that okay, thanks for that. Okay, so um, I'm gonna start off this song, Just Stand Off and Stack Your Face and Pretend You Look Good. So every Jason has some of the cryptic lyrics like going on. I'm sure you know this is the nomination for this album. What does that even mean? Like I have no idea. Um, Let's see. This is another trance-like song that I was talking about, like with no new kind of story. Like when that beginning and when that little vibra slap happens, it's just like my blinds just again kidnapped. I'm like, oh, I'm in this is in like space, and I love it. Um, And every time I listen to this song, I hear new sounds, and I didn't know what the like. So I was listening to it, taking my notes, and like I didn't realize, I like that vibra snap. I heard that for the first time tonight. It's like it's just so crazy, and then like um at the end, okay, so um this album does not have a lot of background vocals, which is weird. Um, um, I don't know, maybe you can speak to that. But I'm um, doing the outro with the vibra snap, um vibra slap, and the background vocals. It gets me very Beach Boy vibes, like you mentioned earlier. So it's just again another Beach song with the vibra snap, and just those the the drums are just amazing, and there's just so many sounds going on. And like, again, every time I hear something, I mean, listen to this song, there's a new sound. I'm like, how did I miss this? Um, Like I said, I mean, almost a perfect song. I don't know what's missing, but it's, it's amazing. Third best on this album. (laughs) Awesome. Wayne,
0: what can you tell us about it?
1: Well, uh, uh, this song is, uh, you know, I I think this is very much like, uh, became kind of, um, this is is very much uh, uh, of its time in terms of like Jason's songwriting. This is kind of like it's got some it's got some sort of rhythmic gags in it. It's got some cool licks. It's got some background vocals. It's got a few you know instrumental kind of kooky things that are kind of unexpected. And it's got some really good hooks in it. Um, so it's just I just think it's a really good song. And um, you guys are talking about how dense it is sonically and. and I totally agree. Uh, you know, this this record probably by this time um, was probably the the had the most tracks, you know, per song on it. You know, um, earlier records were a lot simpler in terms of the instrumentation, but I think Gene really felt like there was a, some opportunities to make some things a little bit more dense
2: and a little bit more full. Um, it's a very lush-sounding album.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um so I I've zeroed in on the lyrics of this um because once again it as far as sonically, it just has that new wave beach country sound.
2: You nailed it, Sam. You nailed it. Did we it. just
0: invent a new genre here? Yeah, I think we nailed did. it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um But this is the uh, last album of what I like to think of as kind of the the classic Starflyer lineup, which I know only lasted for like two albums and an EP. But um, Gene, Eugene, Wayne, and Cloud, along with Jason, is kind of what I think of as uh, the the classic Starflyer 59 lineup, kind of like the classic Temptations. And this song seems to be possibly about... um, that particular group maybe breaking apart a little bit and i don't know if there's any credence to that or not but that's kind of what the lyrics spoke to me about how you know friends and um, relationships eventually will break apart no matter how close they are but it's still a great song and just kind of keeps going very much in the vibe of the rest of the album
2: i want to say something that you mentioned like a few songs ago but you're right. Like I'm I'm hugely into lyrics. Myself, I'm a huge lyric person in music. And it's weird there. We're both hosting another Starfighter time podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um the lyrics can get really cryptic.
2: <laughs> All right. So that takes us to almost the last song. The party. Who wants to take it?
0: Um, Wayne, why don't you lead us off on this?
2: Well,
1: let's see. The the party. Yeah. This was um this is uh, another song that was really championed by Gene. You know, he really felt like this, uh, it, it just had so much potential. And so I think that's why um, there's, there's. it's just another dense kind of just beautiful production. And it's a really cool song. And, um, uh, and then I love, you know, of course, the whole thing where it, disappears and comes back with that saxophone solo and stuff. I
0: love that saxophone. I have a
1: lot to say about that saxophone
2: later. It's
1: just just one of those things that, you know, we laughed about because it just, it just, it sounds so ridiculous, but it, but there's something very cool about it. So Jason ultimately was like, no, I'm going to keep it. We're going to do it, you know? And um, so, yeah, it was, it was really, um, it was really wonderful to to play on that, uh, on that jam.
0: I'm curious um if you can tell us was that saxophone like a sample or did someone actually come in to Yeah, somebody came in and played and uh, play it.
1: I can't remember who it was. Shoot. I can't remember. But no, that was a real player came in and, the guy and from
2: Five Iron Frenzy. <laughs> no. That, no,
0: that the <laughs> saxophone player for Fire and Frenzy actually would have been Jeff the Girl, which would have been uh, awesome, but <laughs> it was
1: probably somebody that um it might've been a guy named Matt Franke who played on my uh, first solo record um, and did some, and played on a Lassie foundation record that we had done around the same time at the green room. Um, And uh, but he was a friend of Frank Lenz's, and, or they had worked together, you know, doing studio stuff and he was a super high powered, like, Turbo, like studio session guy, like super professional guy, like comes in for like one hour and he's there, intently listening and giving you everything that they that you're looking for, and he's there for that hour and then he's gone because he's got other things, other gigs to get to. So, um, so it might have been him. It would make sense if it were him, but uh, regardless, it's a really cool part, and um, and it, I think it just gives the that little unexpected thing at the end that uh, that you know shows a little bit of Jason's sense of humor. Yeah, the, I, my I, only
0: I'm complaint perfect. about this track is that that wasn't a separate track. I wish it was a separate track so I could just listen to it. Um, but man, this song, I I love that sweet analog piano at the beginning. I there's something so warm and nice about analog sound. Um, I know people claim that digital can replicate it but i don't feel like it can it feels so warm and i just love that analog piano at the beginning
1: yeah Um, there, there wasn't much that was digital at the green room at the time
0: and uh particularly the way it's mixed it bounces back and forth in your headphones going right left and i just that leaves me so warm and fuzzy it's just it's odd, so nice and um a constant theme on this album is frustration with people um maybe one person who knows and i so the synthesizer at the end i feel like i love it when music speaks in place of lyrics and i feel like that synthesizer at the end and then really the saxophone as well kind of speaks to it it is what it is life will go on it just kind of it just kind of meanders on for a minute and that's that's a lyric in and of itself because that's life. You know, people will disappoint you. You'll get frustrated and then life will go on. And then maybe you'll laugh at something five minutes later when the saxophone starts. Who knows? Um, that's that's my interpretation well, of the song. But it's, like, it's a great piece.
2: Yeah. Skype or people will make you mad. That's for sure. Um, I, I think of this as lounge piano flyer. Um, I agree that analog on piano is it's a very warm song this is another mesmerizing song like I remember like when I first listened to this album when this song would come on if the lights were still on I would turn the lights off just lay down on my bed or floor whatever and just like let the song wash over me Um, I don't know how much of these lyrics um, are about actual events and who actually messed up the party it was probably Wayne you know how he (laughs) is again this, al- this song specifically, but this album in general was such a departure from anything Jason did to this point. And I love people, that, that artists that take those risks instead of just playing a C chord over and over again. They try to do something um, different. And I remember like appreciating that even back in 1999 and around that time, a little small band um, you might have heard of called Radiohead was also making a huge departure with the OK Computer album, which I'm not a fan of and I don't get into right now. But it was definitely a, di- a, a huge departure from them. And I remember, like, with my friends who were Radiohead fans, I would, I would have them listen to this. I'm like, what do you think? Because to me, it was, like, right, in the, right at that time, like, there were two artists that were really, like, pushing, like, what they could do musically. And I just really fell in love with that. They, just the bravery of that, you know. Um, on both I have Radiohead and um, um, Jason, I'm, I'm huge friends of both. And um, I'm with you, Sam, like that back and forth from the speakers. It's just, it makes it feel like the song's washing over you. And I guess we're reviewing that little saxophone part at the end with this. So, okay, here's my 25 cents about that. We joked that, I don't know if you've heard before, Wayne, but we joke about Jason doing a jazz album. And for me, when I first heard this, that thought would have never popped in my head, you know, a Starfire jazz album, but um Having somebody come in and play a saxophone like that and leave that up there on this album, it's just like the perfect closer. And I'm just like, oh, it's such an audio tease because when the drums and that come up, I'm like, oh, this is about to turn into a song. And then it just fills I'm like,
1: oh, no, like this is about to get good. Oh,
2: I hate it so much, man. I'm just like, it's such a tease, man. This was about to be amazing. <laughs> I love it and to me. and i don't know I'm, And I'm with you. It could be a separate track or whatever, but. I'll never forget the first time when I just let it play. I don't know what happened. Maybe I went and, like, I don't know, was doing something and it started playing. I'm like, wait, what? It was such a surprise and, like, took me, you know, just crept on I me. Mean, it was like a Christmas present you weren't expecting. It was just like, oh my God, that was
1: amazing. What?
2: So, and I know people, even on the vinyl, they're talking about, oh, why couldn't they have edited out? I'm sorry, I think it was the right decision to leave it in there for, just for that first time when you hear it, like when it just sneaks up, and it's just such a warm surprise and a perfect, perfect, into a perfect album. And I think if it did, didn't have that saxophone, this probably would have been taken down a little bit on my favorite Starfire album. Like, it's an integral part. And like, it's one of my favorite musical moments in music history, just having that extra thing. And whoever's idea was, you know, with Jason and whatever, Bravo, it was a great, great, great decision yeah
1: i don't remember whose idea it was or the circumstance i mean like i said i can't remember who even played it but um but yeah it was it's a it was just one of those moments that we laughed and then just kind of as the as the sessions went on i think it it was sort of like became like a almost like a dare for jason to (laughs) to leave it on there you know it's just kind of one of those like silly things that eventually was like you know what i think i like this you know this is kind of cool so um so yeah i'm I'm glad he left it on there it's really fun and kind of a funny thing at the end
0: yeah
2: yeah i don't see it as funny i see it as amazing beautiful mute beautiful piece of music yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely i am um, this album i was a, cu- a couple of years ago indie vision music did where they pulled a whole bunch of artists and some people who had been in starfire and asked them for their favorite albums and uh, there were various ones here and there. I know, like Jeff Cloud said, "Young in My Head," but I saw this album on there two or three times. And something a lot of the reviews said was, "It's not a perfect album, but we don't want it to be." And I kind of agree with that sentiment. Um, it's it's like I'll start with the music. The music I give a two and a half out of three, and it's like almost dated. But in the best way possible. The warm analog, especially if you compare it to 1999 music, this was when the rise of the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys and um, the very sugary music. And this is like the perfect um, antidote for that overly sugared 1999 music of this um, warm analog, almost 60s sounding production. And I, and it's it's it sounds rough around the edges, like there's so many genres mixed in, but that's what makes it so good. Um, the lyrics, I give it two. They're introspective and some of J Martin's best, but as cryptic as ever. And um, but they're still some of the better lyrics I've heard thus far in this podcast. Overall, I give it a two and a half. I get why people some people consider this the best, um, and I think this being in 1999 the next album is a greatest hits album this could have been the last star Flyer 59 album and i think we would not be horribly disappointed i love and i'm so happy we got more albums after this but if this was it i think it would be a great finishing song album this is a that good of an album to end a career on so overall i give it a seven out of nine
2: Okay, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Overall, I give it a 9 out of 9. I'm just, just, the music, I disagree. I don't think it sounds dated at all. I think it sounds fresh, and because the analog and all the choices he made, he didn't go with the trends. He made something true to it, what he wanted to do. And when you do that as an artist, that tends to hold up over time, When you're not chasing something, you're being true to yourself. It's something about that ethos in an artist where it'll hold up over time. And I think that is on this album. The lyrics aren't great but they're great enough and the songs are just so strong yeah i mean i can't think of how this album i just i think it is perfect um there are imperfections like in some of the sound son, sonics and the throne king but i think that adds to the to, to the album i i don't see how this album could be any better it's perfect i mean there's And there's not one bad note, one any there's like nothing that I would change on this. And I and I agree with you, like if this is the last Starfire album, I would have missed that. But yeah, it would have been a great way to end. Um but thank God it's not the last one. Oh yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, so
0: what are your final thoughts, Wayne?
1: Yeah, yeah, well in the end, you know, um I think uh well I'm just really thankful and and happy to have been able to play on this record i I think it's one of jason's strongest um if not the strongest um and that's not you know because of my contribution really it's it's his songwriting that is really the feature in in all of his records obviously you know it's that's the thread that that links them all together whether he's um he's doing like a big you know my bloody valentine thing or whether he's doing a a jazz sixties ballad, you know, um, it's, uh, it's all coming from his mind and his feelings and, uh, his talent. And it's, it's really great to, to work with him. And, uh, and I, I, I'm just lucky to have been able to play on it and contribute to it, to the extent that I did. Um, and, uh, it was a really great time. Um, you know, it was, you know, when I thought about this in retrospect the other day, it was like, you know, uh, Gene, uh, he passed away within a year of us making this record, and um, he only worked on a, f- a few other things, I believe, after that, um, one of them being uh, the Kush album, album uh, but with a band called Kush that I played in for a little bit, uh, that first album, and then also he did the, all the um, that Terry Taylor um, Imaginarium stuff there, too, and, um, you know, it just kind of reminded me that you know time is 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 fleeting and life is fragile and you know um i'm just thankful that we had this moment at the green room all together and uh and we made a record that uh, that people seem to really enjoy and I'm, and I'm really really
2: thankful for that
0: that is awesome man
2: yeah we're well, for you guys
0: yeah absolutely well um Wayne, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, your night, to hang out with us again. We appreciate it. It's been a blast, sir.
1: Yeah, no no, problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Guys, um, Wayne has a new album out, too, Ghost. Um, You can get it online. Um, You can give the website, Wayne. Um, It's great. Crazy jeans worth the price of the album alone, so I recommend you pick it up. Um, What's your website, Wayne?
1: Well, you can just go to WayneEverett.com. Or, I have a Bandcamp also, WayneEverett.bandcamp.com. And you can also check it out on Spotify, Pandora, and Amazon, all those places.
2: To go to it, go get it, guys. Well, thank you very much, Wayne. Um, we really appreciate it. You have a good night. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye, Wayne. Bye. Well, Aaron, I am um, bid you adieu as well, sir. I bid you adieu. You have a good night. Thank you, guys, again, for listening.
0: Thank you. And as always, this has been a Brothers King Media production. Good night. Bye.